I'm Ari Paparo, and welcome to Architecture, where you can get smart fast with interviews of leading technology vendors. I'm joined here by Ali Marlowe Thomas, the founder of AdLib. Thank you for being here, Ali. Thank you very much for inviting me on the podcast, Ari. Great to be here. Okay, so let's talk about the product. First of all, who, who's using it? And then what is the basic functionality? Sure. So firstly, the product is awesome, right? Like I think it's been one of my big focus areas. You know, like we when we started, pretty much all of that investment from the sellers that went into the MVP. And that was brave, <laughs> but it played out well because I think so many of these creative products, like there isn't the thought that goes into all of the moving parts. And so what we've built is effectively a platform that does five core things. So the creative space is very complicated, as I'm sure you're aware. And I think managing all of the different stakeholders is a challenge. And there are different touch points, you know, within different teams to manage and activate and optimize creative. And so really the five core pillars we've built on are creative governance. So enabling brands to build creative, which is on best practice for the channel that's being deployed on. It's ideally reusable, right? So it's built in a way that is effectively like reusable, and whether that be in a new campaign or in a new market. And the second thing is creative scalability. So thinking about tools and techniques we can use to scale assets to different channels as quickly and effectively as possible, using artificial intelligence where we can. So things like resizing, understanding which elements of the creative are memorable. For example, we've got a lot of our own models that we've built in to help with that resizing capability. The third is relevance, creative relevance. So helping, and I'm really interested by this, integrate agnostically with third-party media buying platforms. And by an integration, I mean pulling in the media buying strategies, visualizing them for the person who's working in the platform, and I'll come back to who that is, and allowing them to assemble relevant messages for those different audiences. The complexity of like trying to line up like creative and media is great now, right? We actually did a study, we looked at it, we did it with WBR, beginning of the year, 92% of marketers said that there was no <laughs> integration between their creative and media teams. And what that's resulting in is a bad consumer experience. You know, the brand is doing all this work, the agency is doing all this work on media targeting. The creative guys are creating beautiful creatives, but they're not connected. And so creative elements, third pillar. And then the fourth and the fifth pillars are connected. Creative agility, just on the creative side, but it doesn't really happen at the moment. But I begin to hear your view. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, um, I think the... General consensus, and I've been pushing this as well, is that as targeting becomes less effective, creative becomes more effective. And creative was always underinvested in historically. The bids can only do so much. The creative matters enormously. Let's break down what you told me a little bit in more smaller steps so we can make sure we understand it. So you have a creative person, a creative agency or a designer, hands on the keyboard using your product. They're importing assets from the brand, you know, logos, colors, et cetera, et cetera. Are they designing creatives or? And creative data. And those two really, you will have seen other partners or players in the market, like VidMob going out with a heavy creative intelligence narrative. I only think that's useful if you can use that data to action something. So we have this very powerful uh, decision tree infrastructure that we've built in the platform. It's all powered via this creative intelligence. So what headlines are working, what opening frames of video are working, what elements are driving performance, is there creative fatigue? All these things are captured in this infrastructure. And you can see in there both audiences pulled in from the buying platforms and creative and creative performance data. And all those things make this a really nimble, effective area to optimize creative. And I'm super interested. You know, we just saw the news about Google and the delay on the cookie stuff, but I still feel very strongly that 
creative is a very underutilized, powerful lever. Sure. But if maneuvered correctly, the levers can be as powerful as a bid or an audience. Is the design process in Photoshop or Figma or wherever before it gets to you? Sure. So most of the time we find that they're not designing the original creative, right? Yeah. There is something, they have something, and they're providing that something for us. And then this is where dynamic and creative intelligence become so clever. Like DCO has become kind of like a bit of a dirty word in our industry. I don't know why, but it kind of is, right? And the foundations of DCO were really that every element is changeable, things are updatable, you know, they can change based on the audience, all that stuff. So what we do is we take raw assets, usually from the brand or from the creative agency. They're uploaded via a briefing infrastructure into the platform, and we go for a review process of all of the elements. We say, yep, that'll work, that won't work, actually to help people understand you know, whether the stuff that's in the platform is actually going to be usable, back to creative governance, I guess. And then we build out in the platform the different creative right. variants that you're going to run against, either audiences or run on rotation. Thanks for listening. To hear the complete interview, subscribe at architecture.tv. 